I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello everyone and welcome to La Liga Lowdown. It's another of our World Cup podcasts, this time looking ahead to Spain's third and final group game against Japan. I'm your host, Matt Clark, and I'm joined once again by Roman Darke. How are you doing, Roman? Doing good, Matt. Thanks for uh, having me once again and uh, always enjoying the World Cup games. A bit disappointed that now we have to watch uh, two games uh, at the same time, which is a bit difficult. Of course, so sometimes you have to pick one, but aside from that, uh, pretty happy. Yeah, the 10 a.m. slot or 11 a.m. In, in Spain is gone. Those mornings of football are over. Yeah. Uh, we loved it. It was a week that changed our lives and now it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, Spain, Japan. Spain, of course, all but assured of their place in the last 16. The table currently, Spain are on four points. Japan and Costa Rica both on three. Germany at the bottom with one. Um, Spain, of course, have that massive goal difference from their win over Costa Rica. And therefore, even if they end up tied on points, it's quite likely they will prevail on the goal difference. So a draw will guarantee qualification. A win will guarantee top spot. And even if they lose, as we say, it could still be enough if Germany beat or draw with Costa Rica, given that goal difference. Uh, Germany, uh, they'd need to be an eight-goal swing uh, to enable for that to, to knock Spain out. So quite unlikely things we're talking about there. Roman, how do you, first of all, sense uh, the feeling around Spain at this point in time as we have, what, one day to go before the match? Well, I, I think the feelings are, are pretty good. I mean, uh, that first game against Costa Rica obviously maybe hyped the team a lot uh, because, you know, we absolutely dominated them. Then, of course, people were, were trying to downplay the result a bit, saying that Costa Rica were probably one of the worst sides in, in, the, in the competition. But then they did beat uh, Japan, who beat Germany, so that kind of... Uh, made it look a bit better, so it's been a bit of a roller coaster in that sense. But uh, I think most people are consistent in saying that Spain are 
are, are a strong side. Maybe not the favourites, maybe not top three, but definitely top five or something like that, I'd say, to, to win this competition. And I mean, against Germany, they had some uh, very good minutes as we talked in, in the pod after the game between you and me. And we mentioned, you know, that Spain were were quite sharp, you know, in terms of having the ball, but pressing really high, etc. So uh, I think Spain in this game will, will definitely be be looking to be the favourite side in this case to, to win the match. And uh, they definitely have their chances at the competition, although, of course, it's it's hard. It's game after game. And now in the knockout stages, if they may finally make it through, uh, that's when the, the real deal happens, you know? Yeah, speaking of that, then, if they win the group, they will face the runner-up from the group with Croatia, Morocco or Belgium. Uh, of course, Canada already out. <clears throat> and if they win, if they run her up in the group, obviously they'll, they'll play the top from that group too. So it's looking tough for Belgium potentially, but Croatia or Morocco, the most likely, I'd say, opponents. For Spain, there's a lot of talk about whether you decide to maybe try and finish second or try and avoid finishing top because you might potentially have Brazil down the line. I think it's. Uh, I think a lot of the players have said, you know what, well, we just want to win the game and make sure we're through. I think that's the right attitude because... You don't want to get too bogged down in looking ahead at steps you, you might not even reach. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't really make too much sense to to take risks in, in this sense. You know, I mean, the players, when they come out in a World Cup, they want to win. You know, they don't want to draw. They don't want to lose. I mean, even if, if your manager tells you it's better not to win, just doesn't, I don't think it's something you can actually play out properly. I think uh, in the end, you just have to win your games. Uh, do as good as, as good as you can, you know, and, and just imagine, you know, you try and draw and then suddenly a draw or a, or a defeat uh, gets you out of the, of the competition and you make a big mistake in that sense. So, I mean, it's 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 pretty, it doesn't make much sense to me. I think a, Spain, a team like Spain, sorry, has to go out, has to win the game, has to get the results. And if we get Brazil, we get Brazil. And, and if we get Brazil, then we have to show that we're better than Brazil, that we can beat them, you know, and, and win the best countries in the world. That's the world, what, what the World Cup is all about, you know, being the best sides there are on the planet. Absolutely right. And uh, of course, Spain have showed they know where the goal is and they've shown that they are quite hard to score against. Although we talk about the defence uh, a little bit in the previous pod. And did you sense there were a few frailties there that were uncovered in that Germany game, potentially Rodri playing at centre-back? Yeah, I have to agree that uh, Spain still has uh, certain weaknesses at the back, uh, especially against very... Good sides with a lot of quality, like we saw with Germany. You know, have like a guy like Murcielo and Orsane who came on the second half, and he was like finding those uh, spaces between the back line, uh, and and that was breaking the offsides, and that was a bit of a struggle for for um, Spain. I think uh, the Rodri experiment hasn't gone too badly, but I'm not so confident it would be ideal uh, in a knockout stage against a stronger opponent. I mean, against Germany, he, he was okay. I have to say, I can't really bl- blame him for any of the goals, really. So, I mean, or, any, or the goal itself, we could say. <laughs> but uh, I, I do think you could sense that Spain were maybe lacking some confidence in the back. Uh, so, I mean, you felt that the last maybe 20 minutes or so of the game that Germany could really score in, in any occasion or any opportunity they, they were going to have because they looked very dangerous and, and Spain weren't that solid. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot to improve in that sense. But I think uh, Luis Enrique has kind of explained this, you know, that when, when they get a goal, they have to go for more goals. They don't have to sit back and 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 hope to, to close down the, the opponents, you know, because that's that's what Spain does. You know, they, they have to uh, try and get another goal to avoid... Uh, any problems at the back because there's definitely a weakness there. They may improve, but I don't think they're going to fully 
uh, solve that uh, by the end of the competition. So what they have to do is focus, especially on the attack and, and have them the efficiency they had against Costa Rica, where they had, I think, seven shots on target and seven goals. That's obviously uh, something that doesn't happen every game. Uh, it's really tough to achieve, but if they can get a good efficiency in, in these games, then that will help a lot. Yeah, it's it's a hard one to unpick because obviously in that Costa Rica game, the defence just wasn't tested at all. Uh, mm -hmm. Not a single shot on target from Los Ticos. So, yeah, it's obviously they were very good in possession. Rodri and Laporte have that understanding from playing together with Manchester City. But then you look at the previous games and, you know, the idea of Rodri as centre-back was never really even thought about until, you know, before the tournament. So it's it's quite a curveball that Lucho threw there. And like you say, if, if they decide to kind of change it, it's it's going to be tough because the other centre-backs are completely um, out, out of game time. You know, none of them have played like sort of Pau Torres, um, you know, True. Hugo Guillermon is even uh, named as a centre-back, even though he's been playing in midfield for Valencia this season, whereas Rodri, of course, is a midfielder and now he's playing at the back. So it is a strange thing when you think about it like that. But it's also interesting. Only four players have played all 180 minutes in the competition so far. That is, of course, Unai Simon and goal, Laporte and Rodri in the centre-back pair, and Danny Olmo. And I know you, saw, you said uh, in the last pod he did look quite tired in that towards the end of that Germany game. Mm -hmm. um, although you did say he's obviously very vital in terms of his defensive contribution as well as his attacking yeah. weapons. Thinking about the lineup for this Japan game, do you think there'll be many changes or do you think Lucho will, will kind of stick with what what's pretty much works for two games? Well, there's one thing uh, Lucho said in, in his famous streams on Twitch and is that he always likes to make a few changes. He never really sticks to the same formation uh, in each game. So that's something interesting to keep in mind. And he did make a change in the end of the Germany game, which was, of course, uh, Carvajal coming in for Azpilicueta. Maybe few, fewer changes than maybe we thought after those words he shared with us. Um, but then again, I do think uh, against Japan, we will see uh, a few more changes because also Japan are a different profile, I think, to maybe Costa Rica or or uh, or Germany, and uh, I believe that he might give opportunities to to other guys who have been resting. I'm really hoping to see Ansu Fati, for example. I think uh, this has to be his opportunity because if he doesn't play this game and Spain make it through, I see it very difficult for him to get opportunities in, in crucial, vital knockout stages game because it kind of means that Lucha isn't really trusting him uh, too much, even though he did score uh, in that friendly just before the World Cup. Uh, so I thought that maybe that would give Lucho more confidence towards Ansu, but it doesn't seem that way at the moment. So I'm hoping, yes, players like him, I think maybe Rodri will rest and he will try again with the centre-back because as you mentioned, you know, those other centre-backs haven't had a single minute. So that could be helpful in that sense. And uh, maybe also in that midfield, uh, bring in somebody like uh, Carlos Soler uh, or maybe even Marcos Llorente. We'll see. I, I do think there will be changes overall, but it was Luis Enrique, it's always so unpredictable and so complicated to, to decide. But I don't think he's going to stick to the exactly same formation. I think there are going to be uh, a few surprises. Mm. Would one of those be potentially resting Sergio Busquets? That would be a good idea because I, I was actually surprised to see that he didn't rest him against in the Germany game, especially towards the second half when Germany were a bit more intense. Busquets, you could feel like he was also a bit more tired. He also had a yellow card on him, which didn't help in terms of being more aggressive in defense. So, I mean, I think it would make sense uh, to rest him. Maybe not from the start. Maybe he'll wait till the game is maybe in a comfortable situation for Spain where, you know, Busquets can rest for, for the knockout stages. But it's definitely a possibility uh, for him to maybe catch a break. We'll see. Mm. And going forward then, there's a lot of talk about, you know, whether he will play with 
the number nine or uh, continue with the false nine from the start. We spoke a lot about how the Germany game was decided by more orthodox centre forwards in Morata and Fulkrug. Two goals in two sub appearances for Alvaro Morata. Will he get a start this time? Uh, another tricky question. I mean, it could perfectly happen, you know. I mean, until until the World Cup, I think Morata was basically uh, a standout starter for Luis Enrique. You know, he's a guy he's always trusted. He's always supported Morata, even in those tough times. I remember Morata in an interview now during the World Cup saying that he felt like the whole of Spain was against him. And despite that, Luis Enrique was on his side. He always trusted him and he's really provided with goals. He's one of the top Spanish goal scorers, uh, even though some may, some may not believe it. But that's a fact, you know, and Morata is, is a very important player on this side. So, I mean, he could perfectly start this game. Uh, I'm personally happy with both situations. I mean, I think with a false nine, Spain have doing, been doing really well, even though Luis Enrique doesn't like to call it a false nine. But, I mean, it kind of feels that way, to be honest. I'm happy with both situations. I think uh, we we might not have other uh, forwards to, to substitute Morata if he's not there. You know, there's not the, those Aspas, those Borja Iglesias that people were demanding. But uh, so far, Luis Enrique has proven that he doesn't really need them, you know, because he's either playing that false nine situation and he's got plenty of, of players that can can have, that fit that profile or he's going to use Morata uh, to come on or start. So, I mean, as I said, hard to predict, but whichever outcome Luis Enrique picks, I think I'll be happy. Mm. Plenty of faith in Lucho from La Liga Lowdown, certainly. Um, <laughs> you mentioned those streams on Twitch. Um, first of all, I haven't really asked you about this yet. What do you make of it and what have been your highlights so far? Well, uh, I'm I'm loving it. I'm not going to lie. I think it's uh, something so different, so fresh, you know, for an actual manager uh, to come on and talk to, to the fans, to, to everybody. And it's not uh, a club manager that could do it any day of the week at some point or, or whatever. It's during a World Cup, which is the most prestigious football event there is. So I think that gives it an even uh, more special uh, feeling to it. Um, and I think it's it's really fun because you're getting to know Luis Enrique. I think a lot of people that were hating Luis Enrique have been reading on Twitter that they've been saying, like, I'm starting to, to like this guy. You know, I'm starting to get a hang of, of how he is because in the press conferences, he seems like a very angry man, you know, who doesn't want to talk to the press and doesn't want to share much information. And he's sometimes a bit rude, we could even say, let's be honest. Uh, but uh, in these Twitch streams, he's always laughing and having fun, you know, and sharing all these anecdotes. And you were saying best moments. Well, I mean, there's plenty like the other day saying that he prefers to wear a tanga than 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 in the boxers in terms or underwears. You know, it was kind of funny, although he was joking in that case. But I mean, that kind of like joke he keeps bringing up in these streams. So if anyone has a chance to, to check it out, you can go back on Twitch and, and check uh, older streams. And even the, the Ferran Torres question when he was asked, <laughs> uh, well, how would he react if Ferran Torres suddenly celebrated a goal by uh, putting his finger in his mouth, his thumb in his mouth or, or touching his tummy or something like that? And Luis Enrique was like, he's going to get sent off immediately and he's out of the World Cup, you know. Obviously, like, joking around, but uh, it's, all, it's all fun and, and, and laughs, you know. So that's it's a great way also of taking away the pressure from the players, you know. So uh, the media aren't talking as much about what's going on with the players or criticizing them. They're actually criticizing Luis Enrique for doing the streams or, or praising him or talking about what he says. So I think it's, it's an intelligent move from him. Yeah, I agree. Really, really professional and really kind of taking that responsibility on his shoulders to make himself the front and center. Maybe a little bit of ego, but at the same time, like you say, it's perfectly deflecting away from any potential issues there would be with players. And and you can see that the atmosphere is so relaxed and that can only make for a good group as they prepare for these matches. Um, yeah, and, and also, sorry, um, all the money he's getting from the subscriptions and all that, they're going to donate it for a good cause. So, I mean, that's 
an extra plus, you know, for, for doing this, which is always a great thing to do. Yeah, very well done from Luis Enrique. Uh, speaking of Ferran and, and his uh, young romance, there was another story in the Spanish press this week about Gabby. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about this, Roman. Well, apparently people were surprised because uh, after the first 7-0 win against Costa Rica, uh, the King of Spain uh, came to the dressing room to greet the players, to congratulate them, give them a few words of, of support you know, for the upcoming games. And there was an image after all that that it was the, the King actually asking Gabi to sign a shirt of Spain with Gabi's number nine. And we were all like, why Gabi? You know, maybe you'd go for another more experienced player like a Busquets or uh, who knows, you know. Uh, so that was a big surprise. And then a few days later, uh, there's these theories coming up that the reason why the king did this is because her daughter is a big fan of Gabi, apparently. So she is really into him. Apparently, she also has her folder covered up in, in Gabi photos, you know, to go to, to school and all that kind of stuff. So I think she's 17 at the moment. She's still a bit young, although not too far from Gabi, to be honest. So really, uh, they could make it work at some point. So already people joking about uh, Gabi being the future prince of uh, Spain and, and that kind of stuff, which is kind of funny to be honest <laughs> incredible incredible it seems like these stories just follow gabby there was that, that <laughs> one where the girl was uh yeah. getting uh, him to sign and, and she <laughs> gave him her number or something like that so yeah yeah just endless fun um okay well, we'll leave it there for part one when we come back we'll discuss japan in a little bit more detail and then talk about the world cup uh kind of generally and your impressions as we go so far so stay with us listener we'll be back after a short break I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Lovely touch there from Asala! from the land of the rising sun the sunset will take a long time to come for this party they beat Germany 2-1 welcome back to La Liga Lowdown I'm here with Roman Darke and we are previewing Spain versus Japan in the final group game uh, in this particular pool Japan of course it's been a very strange World Cup for them they had that fantastic win over Germany uh, the 
kind of come from behind, win with direct attacks. Ritsu Doan and Takuma Asano came off the bench to score the goals for Japan. And then uh, coach Hajime Moriyasu made some changes for the Costa Rica game. He probably calculated that they'd be able to beat uh, a bruising uh, Costa Rica side. But ultimately, that came back to bite them because they couldn't score and Costa Rica took the game 1-0 and that's made it very complicated for them, obviously facing Spain in the last game. And as you mentioned in the last pod, Takakubo didn't play a single minute in that second game, which I think a lot of La Liga fans were very surprised about. Um, so, Roman, what do you think? How do you think Japan will approach this game? Well, they, they're going to have to go for it because even a draw might not be enough if Germany win by a couple of goals. Yeah, they're going to have to be ambitious. Uh, they're going to have to try and win this game, and it won't be easy. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not really sure how how they're going to plan to to get to win because, uh, of course, if they go guns blazing in the first minutes already trying to get goals, that could open up a lot of spaces and be very dangerous for them. So, I think they're going to try and you know reach half uh, half time with a good result, uh, nil nil maybe something there, you know, to be still in, in the game and then. In the second half, try and kill it at some point. Maybe similarly to what we saw against Germany, you know, where they held on to the game despite being one goal down in the first half. Because let's not forget, Germany generated a lot of good opportunities. They could have easily gone two, three nil up, uh, but Japan just clinged on. In the second half, they they took their chances, you know, and they came back unexpectedly uh, and turned the, the game around. And and their hopes really uh, increased in, in qualifying since then. And of course, then came the Costa Rica uh, game that you just mentioned, which was a big surprise. They did make quite a few changes there, maybe. The manager was too confident, or, or I don't know what what his plan was there, because Costa Rica definitely surprised them in the sense that they had quite a lot of ball possession, even though Japan had more. But uh, you know, Costa Rica did also like to play with the ball uh, compared to what we saw against Spain, thinking that maybe they, they were incapable of having the ball and that kind of stuff. But no, Costa Rica were, were actually um, achieving that against Japan, and I think that kind of maybe uh, took Japan a bit out of the game and they were struggling to react and then the changes didn't fully work. So, I mean, against Spain, as I said, I think they're going to have to go back to their best lineups. I think players like um, Mitomo is going to have to start because he's been he's been good when he's been playing for for uh, Japan and I think, uh, Mitomo, sorry, and I think that's going to be the key, you know, holding the results somehow and, and hoping that the second half they can uh, get their goals laid on and, and win it. Yeah, plenty of names that European watchers will be familiar with the likes of Kamada from Frankfurt, Takumi Minamino too. Haven't had, I mean, Kamada's played both games, but I mean, in Minamino's case, hasn't had a massive amount of game time, and and certainly he can he can be an effective player as we've seen in, in Premier League and, and cup competitions for Liverpool. Uh, now, of course, he's at Monaco. So yeah, there's there's a lot of talent and quality in that Japan lineup, and um, yeah, I think I, I would imagine that there's quite a lot of Certainly from the coverage in the UK, there was quite a bit of criticism of the coach for the way that he approached that Costa Rica game because having beaten Germany 2-1, you've got a massive scalp in the group. And then if you just beat Costa Rica, you're basically through. Um, yeah. And and yeah, that could be a potential real missed opportunity for them. Uh, Spain have only ever played Japan once in a, a competitive, uh, sorry, in a major international. It was a friendly in 2001 in Cordoba. I don't know if you remember it, Roman, you're probably as young as me, so... Uh, not very quite, well, a few to be <laughs> quite a few names jump off that team sheet from that Spain team. Pep Guardiola, Paco Heme, Miguel Angel Nadal, Rafa's uncle, Sergi Bajuan as well. Uh, Sergi Bajuan, of course, was the interim coach at Barca between Kuman's exit and Xavi's arrival. Um, in the end, it was a 92nd minute goal uh, from Ruben Baraja, which separated the two sides. Um, so, yeah, quite a, 
quite a long time ago, as we say. They did, however, play at the last Olympics, uh, if you remember yeah. in Tokyo That's what last I year. Yeah, we remember that one. Um, and that squad featured quite a few of the same players that are in this current squad. We had Unai Simon, Eric Garcia, Pau Torres, Pedri, of course, who played like every minute possible, Dani Olmo, Olmo. Carlos Soler and Marco Asensio. And of course, in the Japan squad, there are also plenty there too, including, of course, Kubo and, uh, and Doan. Uh, that particular game went to extra time and it was a Marco Asensio goal which sealed it for Spain. Luis Enrique... We know that he's he's quite faithful to his ways and he's not going to change those in any manner, you know. So uh, they're going to, of course, respect Japan. They know they're a dangerous side. They showed it against Germany. They have quality. I mean, lots of those players, as you mentioned, are playing in Europe, including our one of our favorites, Take Kubo, you know, who's got plenty of talent. And I mean, um, it's going to be a matter of, of doing what Spain does best and having the ball, controlling and, and getting the goals, basically. Mm. Of course, compared to, you know, many years ago in World Cups when different confederations faced against each other. There's a lot less known about players from different countries, whereas now there's so much more kind of globalization. Players are playing in different leagues. It's very rare that you come across a player that you don't know about or can't research into. So yeah, I agree there. So if you're Luis Enrique, then lying in bed in your tanga, what, <laughs> what part, what would worry you most about this Japan side? If you could pick out one thing that he'd be potentially worried about. Well, I mean, it definitely would be... Uh, their, their scoring capacity, I mean, not scoring capacity, maybe attacking capacity, I'd say rather, uh, because they have plenty of talent going forward. Uh, I mean, uh, seeing how Spain's defence hasn't been the most reliable, maybe we could say against uh, Germany, how there are flaws there that needs to be fixed, there can definitely be counter-attacks where Japan can make the most of their pace and, and surprise us, you know, so I think uh, Luis Enrique is going to want to get a goal as quick as possible to be in a more comfortable position. And of course, he's going to uh, want his team to, to press high because I think uh, we can recover the ball uh, against um, Japan in high positions and, uh, you know, uh, through those guidelines, kind of uh, take control and, and avoid as many counterattacks as possible, even though, of course, that's not going to be easy because there, there will be Spain plays really high. Their back line is, is up really high in Japan, you know, as I said, have the pace and have the technical abilities to to counter well. So if Lucien Dicke can kind of control that and he can get that early goal, as I mentioned, I think uh, they should be capable of getting a comfortable result to, to get through to the next round. Mm. Fingers crossed then Spain get over the line and reach the last 16. Absolutely. Um, of course, we'll also have a, a review podcast. Um, uh, Sam and Paco will be with you for that one after the game, probably coming out on Friday. So stay tuned for that one. Just to finish off then, Roman, let's talk about the World Cup in general. It's been... Mm -hmm. It's been a strange tournament in many ways, being where it is, being at the time of year it is. But I think in terms of, certainly a couple of days ago, we saw that incredible 3-3 between Cameroon and Serbia and then the Ghana game against South Korea, the 3-2. I think those two games really kind of gave the World Cup a boost because it's been quite a low-scoring one generally. Um, mm -hmm. So again, I, I know I asked you this the other day, but have you got any more kind of general impressions of, of how this World Cup is going as a whole? To be fair, I think it's, it's been very entertaining. It is true that there have been quite a few games where maybe lacking a bit, goal, lacking a bit of goals. But I do think that at the same time, um, there's been a lot of more. What could we say like a, they've been generating opportunities, but it just hasn't been go going in. You know, so it's, there's been entertainment, there's been uh, good football, but maybe there's been lacking that last uh, finishing shot. You know, or that goal at the end. Uh, because, for example, I can't, my, can't, my, sorry, to my mind comes that Canada game against Belgium where Belgium mm. won 1-0 but Canada were constantly pushing and had 
plenty of opportunities. They even missed a penalty. So, I mean, it kind of feels like that game could have easily been 3-1 or for Canada or 3-2 or something like that. You know, that there's been lots of games in this um, similar pattern where there have been opportunities, there have been chances, but the ball hasn't gone in. But at the same time, it's also group stages. You know, lots of teams uh, don't want to take too many risks. They're trying to protect themselves at the back. And, of course, uh, that kind of makes it much tougher to break, break the, the deadlock uh, in many matches. But overall, I think it's been, been very entertaining. You pointed out a few uh, very... Uh, good games with that Ghana. Ghana also taking part in that Portugal game, which was also mm. very entertaining. I mean, that's a good good team to watch. Uh, even the the England against uh, U- USA, which was nil nil. I think there were some really good chances in that one. I mean, overall, I've I've really enjoyed it, and it's been very entertaining. And the, the last one, USA Iran, also had that political uh, thing behind it, which was also quite made it more intense. And, and they were definitely going up and down the last few minutes for USA were, were quite uh, intense, I think, in a way that they had to really suffer because Iran were pushing high. So, I mean, overall, there's been a lot of things to really enjoy from this World Cup in terms of the football, of course. Yeah. And Mateo Laos in that USA-Iran game. <laughs> yeah. No one better to be exactly. the man on the whistle. And he, he did a good job, to be honest. Yeah, he really did. Um, and, and yeah, as you say, Ghana, a 3-2 defeat and a 3-2 win. Who have they got next? Oh, Uruguay. Not much, there's much history yeah. there, is there? I mean, that's going to be incredible in the final match day. Uh, so we have seven nations already qualified for the knockouts. The Netherlands, USA, they'll be facing off. Uh, Senegal and England, and also France, Brazil and Portugal. We don't know where they'll play yet because they could still be runners-up or win their groups. Um, so that's the seven so far. Of course, nine will join them uh, at the time of recording. Who would you say right now, Roman, put you on the spot here, who is your favourite to win the tournament? That's a tough one because I was actually saying with my friends and stuff that I think it's one of the World Cups where there isn't a clear, clear favourite. Like, for example, maybe France last last, uh, last time, for me, were the best squad. They clearly were the favourites to win it and they did win it. Spain back in the days had an amazing team with Xavi, Busquets, Iniesta, Villa and, and in the end they won it. Um, 2002 with Brazil, with Ronaldo, Rivaldo, Ronaldinho, they had an amazing squad and they won it. So it kind of felt like there was always a favour, you know, to win it. And this is this, this season, sorry, this, uh, this year I kind of feel like there's a lot of teams which are strong but are not incredibly strong. Like France, for example, still has that potential but they missed out Benzema. Uh, their midfield is maybe not as uh, interesting as it used to be. Defence is still pretty good. So, I mean, France are definitely up there. Brazil, obviously, uh, they have the attacking power to, to, to win this uh, competition. And I really like Portugal's squad. For me, Portugal have probably the best squad for me personally. Uh, although the manager just doesn't completely fit in what I'd like uh, for them to win the competition. Although Fernando Santos does have experience winning Euros. So, I mean, uh, they could be candidates. So, if I had to pick a side, maybe I'd go for Brazil right now. Uh, but there's definitely, for me, no clear absolute favor at the moment. There's still kind of like a lot of teams could win it, you know? Yeah, it's, it is a fascinating World Cup so far. And as you say, plenty could still happen to, to change opinions one way or the other. Um, who is your standout player then so far? Probably equally hard to pick. Oof, my standout player, to be honest, there's so many I could mention at the moment. I guess, well, Mbappé has obviously done his job. Messi, you know, got that crucial goal for Argentina uh, against Mexico. And he's obviously showing he's important for the team. Uh, I guess between these two, I mean, the usual, you know, they're, they're, they're great. There have been some surprises for sure. But uh, right now, to my mind, these two are the ones that, that come up uh, at first mm. glance. I'm just for a bit of a more low-key one. I'm going to go for either Enna Valencia or Mohamed Kudus from Ghana. I think both have been really influential in their team's performances and really kind of 
taken the attack to to their opponents. Let's also, we could mention sorry, we could mention Gakpo for uh, the Netherlands. Yes, he's been scoring in all the games. Practically, he's been crucial for them to to make it through to the next round. Yes, first Dutchman to score in the first three games of a World Cup, and uh, he'll be the one that the US are tasked with stopping in the last sixteen. Flipping it round, then, who's been your biggest disappointment, either team or, or players or anything like that? My biggest disappointment, hmm, I mean, there's quite a few. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, Germany, I think, have been very disappointing in the sense that they lost to Japan. You know, uh, they haven't been playing their best football of late. To be fair, okay, but I mean, they had a group stage where they should have just not really had to suffer at, uh, until this, until this moment. You know. Then maybe Uruguay a bit. I mean, they're lost in their group, only one point. I mean, they have good players. Fede Valverde, who's maybe in the best moment of his career. Uh, it's true that strikers Luis Suarez, Cavani, etc. have an age, but they're still uh, quality. You know, they still should be capable of getting goals. And Belgium have to be up there. I mean, Belgium have been probably yeah, the biggest one, I'd say. Belgium are the biggest disappointment because uh, it's true that they don't have as good a squad uh, that they had maybe in the previous World Cup, but still, I mean, in the group they are, it's a tough one, but they should have enough. And I mean, players like De Bruyne, um, I, I was going to say Hazard, but to be fair, it doesn't make any point to mention Hazard as a disappointment because he's already past that, you know? Uh, so, but yeah, players like De Bruyne, for example, who've been underperforming for me and, and Belgium uh, should be in a way better position. And in both games, they were poor. They deserve to lose in both, to be honest. So it's a miracle they're still fighting to go through. Yeah, the golden generation is now the rusty generation, I would say. Um, I'm going to throw in Wales there as well. I mean, I know no one expected them to qualify because of their first World Cup in 64 years. But I think apart from maybe the second half against the US, I think they've been really poor. And we know there's, they can they can be so much better. And in a similar way, it's a bit of a theme in this tournament of attacking players who perhaps are just a little bit too old now. You think of the likes of, I uh, say, Suarez Cavani, um, mm-hmm. potentially Cristiano Ronaldo, although you know, might come back to bite me. Uh, but yeah, certainly Gareth Bale. I think he couldn't even he could only play a half in the game against England uh, on Tuesday, and I know he scored that penalty, but that's the only goal they've scored, and and really only chance they've really had to to look likely to to score. So yeah, I think Bale, uh, Wales will go home pretty disappointed. Of course, the fans are proud they were there, but I think they didn't really do themselves justice in that regard. A um, little bit of history we have to mention in Spain's group in the other game, Costa Rica Germany, crucial match of course. Germany could still be out of the World Cup by the end of that match, but it will be refereed by Stephanie Frappart, who becomes the first female referee at a men's World Cup. So history there. Um, congratulations nice. to her. She's obviously already taken many high-profile games in her career, and this is another proud moment for her, uh, richly deserved. We can't end the pod without talking about the crucial game on Wednesday night. At the time of recording, of course, hasn't happened. Poland-Argentina. Robert Lewandowski against Leo Messi. Potentially one of them will be out. It's a huge game in Oman. There's the whole Ballon d'Or thing last year where Lewandowski probably should have won it and Messi did. Now Lewandowski's finally scored in the World Cup. Everyone's talking about Messi, the fantastic goal, his last chance to win a World Cup. What do you think about this game? And do you think Argentina will will get over the line? I mean, I think they will because in the end they have Messi and in the end they have so much pressure this this competition you know to to keep uh, winning and, and making it through to the next uh, well to the knockout stages and I don't think Messi's going to worry too much about that uh, Ballon d'Or thing you know I mean in the end he's just so worried I think about winning for his country that that's kind of going to be forgotten in a 
in a second degree, in a second manner. So I kind of think it's it's going to be more about the game itself, about quali qualifying, about Argentina trying to win the World Cup because they came in as favorites for many, uh, especially for lots of Argentinians who who really uh, saw that uh, or thought that Argentina had big hopes. And then of course they came that Saudi Arabia game where they uh, disappointed so much and against Mexico, honestly. They weren't too good on either, you know. They got the job done, but they really struggled to to get a good result. And against Poland, I I don't think well, I don't see like I don't see them winning clearly. Sorry, but I do see them at least drawing. You know, Poland haven't been that good either. They've also uh, struggled quite a bit against Saudi Arabia. They could have easily drawn or, or even lost. I mean, Saudi Arabia were pretty good in that game. It was very equal, uh, but Poland were the luckier side at the end of the day. So um, I think Argentina and Poland will both go through. Um, because I think they're going to draw, and I think that will be enough. Unless, of course, Saudi Arabia beat Mexico, but I, I, I just don't see that either. <laughs> no, I, I kind of think like they're both going to go through, but of course it could change because I mean uh, Saudi Arabia have really surprised. They've been uh, one of the biggest surprises, also as you were mentioning before, in terms of how they've been playing. Because we thought they would be more like a Qatar or something like that, but absolutely not. They've been so intense, so much pressure. Their manager Hervé has done a great, great job. So I mean, they definitely have a shot at it. And if they beat Mexico, sorry, and uh, one of the other two sides wins, they're through. So um, at first, I see Argentina and Poland getting through, but uh, Argentina for me uh, should be superior and, and should be should be making it through. Mm. Yeah. I think we we really hope for that to happen, just just for Messi, if nothing else, and yeah, just for this side to to have been on such a good run and and to kind of to then go out in the groups would be catastrophic. I I dread to think what the reaction would be in Argentina. So yeah, I'm fingers sure crossed. Down to ashes. Well, yeah, it's <laughs> it should be a great game. Looking forward to that one, and of course the Japan Spain game on Thursday night. Thank you very much for your time, Roman. Great as ever to Thank talk you. to you. Uh, you're off to Portugal, so enjoy your holiday. Um, in the Thanks. meantime, you can check out our Substack, lllonline.substack.com, with fresh content coming out pretty much every day, pods, articles, you name it. We are at La Liga Lowdown on Twitter, where we are across everything that's happening in the World Cup, especially with the La Liga focus. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the game, and uh, let's hope Spain get the job done. Thanks for listening. Adios. <laughs>